Welcome to Other You, a podcast where we discuss a decision in our lives that may or may not have had a long-lasting impact. We unpack some of the factors behind it and then explore in short story form what the other version of ourselves might have experienced around that time or shortly thereafter. I'm your host, Dee. Let's see where this story takes us. Welcome back to another episode of Other You. I'm your host, Dee. Today on the show, I have with me a law clerk uh, or a staff attorney, as it's technically called, uh, for a court of appeals judge in Kentucky. Um, I bet you've never met one of those before. Probably not. Welcome to the <laughs> show. She's an adventurous baker and a kitty cat lover. Uh, real cats and uh, the Wildcats. All Wildcats or just the UK Wildcats? Because there's an Arizona team that also has Wildcats. Uh, just the Kentucky Wildcats and probably the actual animal Wildcats. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to the show, Amanda Connors. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. So glad to have you. So glad to have you. I mean, I, th- I feel like the Wildcats is a pretty popular like mascot because there's uh northwestern in illinois has wildcats like i said arizona has wildcats uk has well how many more are there Quite a i few. don't know and in kentucky because everybody loves uk there are an untold number of high schools that have wildcats bobcats bearcats gotcha. as their mascot. gotcha well i mean cincinnati's college has bearcats so maybe yep. is, is that because they were fans of uk's team so long ago um i mean i would probably say not i don't know but i think they're technically the same animal bear cats and wall cats okay mm-hmm. i'm into it i'm into it not sure don't hold me to it all right right on so thank you so much for being here uh, as a, as a law clerk what does that mean you said well, off uh, the air you said you draft opinions give me a little yes. bit of that so when a case comes to the court of appeals um that means that it has been completed at the circuit court, the trial court level. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means that the case has either gone to trial or it has ended in some other way, like a motion for summary judgment or some other final order for it to be appealable. Mm-hmm. So then um, the judge I work for, her role is to review what the trial court did and to make sure that the result was correct under Kentucky law. Okay. It was correct under Kentucky law. To make those decisions. Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can dig that. That's interesting. That's cool. Cool beans. So yeah. what, what makes something appealable? Just curious. Um, basically that there's a final judgment or order in a case. Uh, I mean, that. That's probably the easiest way to put it. Like there are other ways that cases can be appealed, like in the middle of them or the beginning of them. That's kind of hard to explain, but usually what would be appealed is when a case is on a trial and a person has been sentenced and basically serving a prison sentence. Mm -hmm. So then at a base level, then we would review everything that happened at trial and the evidence that was allowed to be presented at trial to make sure that it was correct based on the defendant's argument. Okay. Okay. So it it doesn't necessarily have to be that there was an error somewhere that they're able to appeal the decision based on, Hey, there was an error. Okay. There would have to be an error. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Cool beans. Interesting. Interesting. Is that something that you always wanted to do? Um, 
No, actually. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a veterinarian, and then I wanted to be a fashion designer really bad in high school. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and then ended up at UK and majored in economics uh, and didn't really know what I wanted to do after that. So I got a master's in public administration because I like generally the government and okay. policy. Um, and then while I was in that program, um, I was fortunate to be able to meet with a judge that I'd actually known growing up. He was the church creator of the church I grew up in. So I saw him like every Sunday. Um, I would always say hi to him. And, you know, I kind of wanted to be a criminologist at that point. Okay. And work on after, more like after that. After you got your master's? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I like school. So, but okay. before I started applying to doctorate programs, which I never actually did, um, I met with that judge and he's like, well, if you're interested in criminology, you should do so awful. And my grandpa had encouraged me to go to law school too, because there weren't a lot of like estate planning attorneys in Eastern Kentucky where I'm from. Okay. And so he encouraged me because of that. Uh, he thought there was like a good like niche in the market for it. But I ended up going to UK kind of based on like advice from them and then didn't do either of those things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. But you, you did end up going to law school, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you went to law school. And I have but a you're... Job. Go ahead. And and I do have a job that you like must be a licensed attorney to do. Gotcha. Okay. But you're not an estate planner in Eastern Kentucky. No. No. Okay. And I'm not doing anything directly working with criminal. Well, I mean, I do handle criminal cases in my work, but like I'm not working directly with criminals or like on the prosecutorial side. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, at least at least they got you in. At least they got yeah. you in. So, I've always I've always wondered um, if you get your PhD right, you're called doctor. But how come you're never called master mm-hmm. if you get your masters? I don't know. That's a good question. I just think it I've would never be fun. thought about it. Yeah, everyone everyone that that gets a master's degree should be called master master mm-hmm. Amanda. So glad to have you on the show. I guess you. I guess if you can put the comma and your like master's degree like letters after your name, but there you go. like in your email signature. Yeah. 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 That's, that's, I feel like people should do that. And then like take it all the way down that like you, the title you earn in school that you get to carry that with you, you know, like yeah. well, eighth grade graduate. Well, bam, it's on, it's on, <laughs> it's on my email. <laughs> Technically attorneys can go by Esquire, like your name comma Esquire, but like, it's kind of pretentious. So. A little bit, a little bit. But, okay. All right. I can dig it. I can dig it. Uh, so how have you been? How, how has life been for you throughout this, this pandemic that we've experienced in 2020? Uh, frankly, it has been boring. Um, <laughs> my husband, Brett and I have tried to come up with, you know, things to do. Like we read a lot of books at first, exercise a lot and okay. a lot of walks in the beginning we play games like we you know like every couple of months we have to come up with something else to do yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's pretty much it so my, the same thing for my wife and i we've like we've gone on walks we've done puzzles 
Uh, we just no. like our anniversary was recently. So we went out and bought a board game. So we're going to play this board game that we're really excited about. We started watching uh, Handmaid's Tale, which is. Oh, yeah. That is the Timely. worst show to watch in 2020, especially right uh, now. Yeah, it's 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 the worst show. Now, your episode is coming out in 2021. So mm-hmm. well, hello, future. So thank you for having <laughs> us. Uh, but right as of right now in 2020 we're like watching and every episode like i'm just filled with anxiety and i'm like i hate this i hate why am i watching this and my wife is the same way she's like oh this is awful this is horrible you know it's just mm-hmm. yeah, yeah have, you, have you seen it um i i watched the first episode and it was really intense and i liked i really liked it and i would like to watch it at some point in the future but i don't know if now is when i'm gonna watch it smart Stay away. <laughs> Stay away. What are some of the games that you guys have played? Um, I think our favorite one is called Diaper. It's supposed to be like, I don't know what the phrase word is. Like, it's a commodity trading game. Oh, where yeah. you have like, yeah, like different jewels and um, like camels, and you trade around. It's a two person game. Okay, that's cool. Giant. it's really fun nice i mean we're like i said we're looking for games so we haven't played this one yet so i will bring that up to the missus cool brett's really good at finding games he found several good ones yeah this awesome quarantine yeah nice quarantine is in- oh we even there was a point where she has a nintendo like an original nintendo from the mm-hmm. 80s that still works so there was a point for like a couple weeks where we would just play a few rounds and like even even if we didn't run out of lives, we would just play for a while. I'm like, oh, this was fun. Let's stop now. Okay. And that was it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, I, I did go through the, the Animal Crossing phase of quarantine. <laughs> did you? Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. How long did that last you, the Animal Crossing phase? Um, I don't remember when it came out. I had pre-ordered it. So from when it came out until like my birthday, because I wanted to do the birthday mm, thing. So yeah. probably like about two months. Okay. So your birthday was mm-hmm. July? No, it was May. So I don't remember when. Oh. I don't remember when Animal Crossing came out. I think anymore. it was like really. It was, I feel like it was April, either March or April is when it came out. So I guess that would make sense. Mm-hmm. Like two months. Yeah. Before your birthday. So not okay. that long, really. Right on. Right on. So do you do you do you play other games on Switch or was that was that it? Um, I played other games on Switch. I played. Um, Let's go easy. I like that one. I did not like Pokemon Sword and Shield. Okay. Um, I've played Luigi's Mansion. I really like that. Mm-hmm. And oh, the I can't. It, the name evades me. The Mario game that's out right now. No, it's not new. It's uh, the one where you throw your hat. Um, no idea. Mario Odyssey. Oh, Odyssey. Okay. That one's good. Okay. Kind of hard, but I like it. Into it, right on. Yeah, I don't have a switch, so I never got to join in on the Animal Crossing. I considered it for a minute and then all the switches were gone. Oh, yeah, we got our mm, beginning of 2019, I think. Oh, yeah. Then you were you were my my, my brother has one. He bought one for his kids uh, for like last Christmas. So, I mean, he mm-hmm. had one to play. Uh, but I was thinking like, oh, man, I want to get one. And so many people I knew were playing. It's like, oh, I want I want to mm-hmm. play this game man but no there were there were no switches and i wasn't gonna buy one off of ebay for like a thousand dollars 
hard pass. Oh no, that's ridiculous. Yeah, hard pass. So I hope you can find one at some point. Oh yeah. I think I think I'm okay. Cause I feel like most of the people I know don't play Animal Crossing anymore. So like I, I just I just mm-hmm. missed I missed that that boat. Yeah. To the fun. I play with Amy. I play with Amy a couple times, but I, I'm not much of a live game player. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I can dig it. Cool beans. All right. So let's let's jump into it. Hit me with your decision. Hit us, everybody who's listening. Hit us with your decision. What's the decision, Miss Amanda? My decision was to work toward overcoming my fear of needles. Okay. Work toward overcoming. When did you discover you had a fear of needles? Um, I don't know. Sometime when I was a child. Um, I guess like the earliest I remember it was my, I grew up in an old house um, and my mom took us to the health department for lead testing when we were kids. We never, we never had elevated lead levels, but she'd make us go get a finger prick to get our lead level tested every year. And I did not like that. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. So lead testing might've helped. (laughs) (laughs) Contributed probably. Okay. Blood testing as a child. Okay. Um, I'm glad she took us to do that. But. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's super responsible. <laughs> if you live in a house yeah. that you fear might have lead paints. Yeah, that's that's really responsible, but that's funny. Okay. For sure. So when did you decide to start working toward overcoming your fear of needles? And, oh, well, hold on. Uh, Before we talk about that, tell, what is the uh-huh. ex- what was the extent of your fear of needles? Um, basically, like, I avoided getting like a flu shot and well, I mean, I got like my required vaccine for college and stuff, but like it did, it was not fun. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> you're like getting blood work done. If I could avoid it, I would. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I was, I was a vegetarian my senior year of high school and I had to have like blood work and all my vaccine for college. And I like went and ate like a giant thing of fries from McDonald's and like a large Coke. <laughs> So like my blood sugar would be up before I could do it. <laughs> and I made them use the children's butterfly needle on me because I was scared of the larger needle. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so I did what I had to. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Um, okay. So that's, that's the extent. Are you still a vegetarian? Oh, no. No. Okay. So not that a vegetarian. That went on for a year oh okay just that <laughs> senior year of high school okay yeah so then how old were you when you actively decided i'm gonna do what i can to get over this fear um i was 22 i was in um a one-year master's program in public administration mm-hmm. and it was really stressful and i felt like i like couldn't waste time getting sick so i like made myself get a flu shot that year oh wow okay so so the 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 one year master's program that was like accelerated did you guys have like Mm -hmm. six days a week and like eight hour days or what was that like yeah it was long days we started in like july and finished the next july yeah wow that's yeah. intense. Okay. It was really intense. It it was hard. 
Okay. But, and, and so you were like, okay, I I can't afford to miss if I get sick. So that's, you like, I have to get a flu shot. Is a flu shot something that you got like on the regular? Is that something that you regularly got? No. No. Or not flu shot. No. Did you get sick with the flu every year? Um, So was this something that you were like, I'm going to get sick with the flu. I know it. Might as well get a flu shot. No, I think the last time I'd had the flu was like my freshman year of college living in the dorms. But I was just afraid with like how busy I was and how stressed I was that I just thought it was the best decision. Hmm. Okay. I can dig that. I can dig that. So what are some of the steps you took besides in this moment getting a flu shot to help yourself get over? Did you just like randomly poke yourself with things to like (laughs) get, get over that? The stabby part of it or no? Okay. No, I started with the flu shot and I got one. I've had one, I think every year since then. Okay. Um, and then like I, you know, while I was young, so I didn't go to the doctor every year. And then I like gradually got my blood work done more often. Um, and then I got like my hepatitis A vaccine because like that was for some reason going around in Kentucky for a while oh, like a couple of years ago. <laughs> Yeesh. Okay. Yeah. I I mean, I was never exposed to it. It popped up in like fast food restaurants and probably other restaurants, but mm. um, yeah. Okay. And then more recently, I like, I think about two years ago, I decided that like my big step was going to be to donate blood. Mm. How'd that go? Well, the first time I had rolling veins and I hadn't had like blood work done. Well, I had blood work done like a year before that probably, but it was like a really good phlebotomist at my doctor's office that I trusted. So it was like no big deal. But um, I didn't complete my first attempt at blood donation because the needle ended up like in, in the wall of my vein and it, mm. uh, yeah, it made me feel kind of ill and I just quit. Okay. Ouch. I can dig it. I can dig it. Have you ever, have you, have you ever given, have you, have you given blood since then? Yes. Right. Twice this year, actually. Oh, okay. Um, at the, at the beginning of the pandemic, the Kentucky blood center was really low on blood. And I was like, this is my time. I'm going to do it. (laughs) Somebody needs it right now. Right. Um, so I did, I did successfully donate blood then. Um, and then, once more like in may successfully as well gotcha okay yeah okay i can dig that i can so do you do you feel like you still are are dealing with your fear of needles or do you feel like okay Uh, i'm over it now no so those i thought those were two you know really big successes in working past our fear um and then the second time i successfully donated like the phlebotomist was still having trouble with like my rolling vein and it it worked it was fine but like it made me feel a little weird mm-hmm. but then um brett and i went to get covid antibody tests like a month or two after that and the needle that they used was like large and the person who tried to do it i don't think was very experienced it was early morning i had a ton of water and she just stabbed around in my arm and oh. like never never um actually drew any blood ouch so like i i have not um I did get my flu shot recently, but I have not um, attempted to get another antibody test or donate blood since then. 
Okay. But I, Brent and I are, are talking about something in it. Okay. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. So when you, when you say fear of needles, is it like if you see a needle, like anxiety starts rising and you don't want to be near it? Or is it you're just super averse to being stuck with them? Well, I can't look like if, if I know I'm going to be stuck with it, I can't see it or I'll probably run out of the room on TV. When people are getting stuck with needles, like, you know, in like house or something, right. like a medical TV show. I can't watch it. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Does it make you queasy or does it make you like got to pee yourself? That sort of thing. I mean, queasy. I don't know why pee yourself would be the one thing <laughs> I thought of. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why that popped up. It's just in my head. I'm like, oh, you know, when your stomach's fluttery and that's what came out. So, okay. <laughs> I understand. Um, so I don't have any irrational fears. And so it's, it's always like trying to wrap my brain around an irrational fear. So when I was a kid, my sister was like deathly afraid of knives, just knives. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are dangerous. Yeah, but like we're having dinner candy. and you're cutting your pork chops, you know, and she's like really uneasy at the table because we all have knives. Or mm-hmm. if like she's in the kitchen and one of us is doing dishes. And I remember um, there was one time we were talking and I'm like washing a knife and I turn and look at her and the knife is in my hand as I turn and she like freaks out and like screams mm-hmm. and then runs out of the room. I'm like, what happened? <laughs> you know, I mean, so, so that, so like wrapping my a brain around that people I know are like mm-hmm. arachnophobic. So like seriously scared of spiders and things. And so it's, it's interesting trying to understand, you know, what bothers you about it. And then like the, the reaction that you have, the physiological mm-hmm. reaction. Okay. Have you ever fainted while getting a shot or in a position to be, stuck with a needle no like after donating blood i've kind of like kind of closed but mm. i haven't okay okay i i one time is it oh man it was in my early 20s i had donated blood and then i went to the gym to see a trainer and i didn't even think about like hey you just got rid of a bunch of blood you probably shouldn't be working out real hard and i was like laying on the floor huffing and puffing mm-hmm. and dude's like bro are you okay i'm like no i'm not okay he's like well did you eat today yeah and then i told him i donated and he's like oh my god i might have to call an ambulance I'm like please don't do oh that my god. i don't what's happening <laughs> so i just like he, he brought me some like a, a shake from the, like the, the the protein shake bar or whatever and i just sat down mm-hmm. and we chatted and i sipped on the shake. So stupid. So stupid. So yeah, I, I, I get, I get almost fainting after donating. That's fun times. Yeah. Fun times. Okay. Okay. I can dig that. So let's say, let's say the 22 is the, the year, the age that we're going to focus on. Okay. Mm-hmm. So 22 year old Amanda, do you mind if I call you by your nickname? You can call me Dirt. That's fine. Yeah. Sweet. Thanks. Okay. So I've heard I've heard Brett call you Durs and Kara introduced me to you the first day that I joined on Fridays as, oh, this mm-hmm. is Durs. And I was like, which one is Durs? That's a great name. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Uh, so Durs, 22-year-old mm-hmm. Durs. Um, what was family life like for you then? Um. Well, 
I I was in grad school, so I didn't see my family a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandpa actually died like in April, so like on the working toward the tail end of that program. Okay, um, and he had been kind of sick, so mm-hmm. I think things were a little stressful. Um, but okay. other like. I mean, things are like good otherwise, but okay. I hadn't seen them a whole, a whole lot. Do you have any siblings? Yeah, I have one younger brother. Younger brother. How much younger? Two years. Okay. Were you guys pretty close? Yeah. Um, at that point, I don't know. Well, I think he was still living in our hometown, going to the university there at the time. Um, and we we talked a lot. Um, we've always been pretty close. Okay. Cool beans. Cool beans. Did you guys ever use the fight at all? Oh yeah. Um, when we were little, we fought a decent amount. Um, until he got bigger than me, really (laughs) like larger in in stature. Um, and then by high school, we were already pretty good friends. And like my senior year, we had the same lunch period. So like, Hmm. My friends and I and his friends and him, like we all ate lunch together at the same table. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. I remember my, um, my sister, she was, well, she still is a year and a half older than I am. And Mm -hmm. so she wouldn't, she wouldn't really, um, like if we were passing in the hall, she would just throw her eyebrows like straight up. Like, hey, I noticed that you are a person who exists, but she wouldn't yeah. like say, hey, brother or anything like that ever, ever, never, mm-hmm. ever. So that's well, cool I don't that know. you guys at least got to, you know, have lunch and stuff. Yeah, it was cool. Um, we went to a really small high school, too. There mm. were, like I graduated with 74. Oh, wow. Kids. So, yeah, like everybody knew that we were related. So it wasn't like we, like we could hide it. And neither gotcha. one of us were like, you know, trying to be super cool. Gotcha. Okay. I can dig that. Yeah. My, my graduating high school class was somewhere between 900 and a thousand. So. Oh, wow. That's pretty large. Yeah. Yeah. So what's that like being a part of a school so small that, I mean, less than a hundred in your graduating class. Did you know everybody? Oh yeah. I knew every, I knew all of them, um, from kindergarten until we graduated really. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, like we all went to the same elementary school, more or less, too. Wow. All right. Mm-hmm. Cool beans. Cool beans. Yes, I grew up in a small town and was happy to get away to UK and, you know. Yeah. Be around a lot, like, be more anonymous, I sure. guess. I can dig that. I can dig that. Did, yeah. you, did you have a job while you were in um, your master's program? Um, not my master's program because there wasn't really time, but I did have a few jobs in undergrad. Yeah. What kind of stuff did you do in undergrad? What kind of workings? Um, so my first job in undergrad, I did graphic design for the UK kernel as the student newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like formatted the ads, like the classifieds, and made ads for that newspaper. Okay. Yeah. And then interned for the newspaper in my hometown um, the summer after that. And that was a lot of fun. Okay. Did 
did that ever like speak to you in terms of something that you might want to do with your life after school, working at a newspaper? Um, I thought at the time that I might, but it was at a time when I think people thought that newspapers were going to go extinct. So I didn't like seriously consider it. Gotcha. Okay. That's I, fair. Was, I was more interested in graphic design and, and still fashion at the time than I was newspapers. Yeah. What, what, what changed your mind about fashion? Um, UK didn't have a fashion design program. I had an opportunity to go to a fashion design program at the University of Cincinnati mm. and I turned it down. Um, so I wanted to do fashion merchandising at UK and one of the prerequisites for that degree was, um, microeconomics and I took that and I loved it and I didn't want to, I didn't want to do anything else. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah. just doing the prerequisite turned you off to fashion because you fell in love with the prerequisite. Yes. I, I wanted wow. to do, I wanted to major in economics like almost immediately, like after I started my first economics class. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I had just never been exposed to anything quite like it before. Really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. Econ lover. Let's get that down on paper. Excellent. <laughs> um, what were some of your hobbies around that time? Um, in grad school, I like I don't know that I really had very many hobbies because I was constantly reading and writing for school. Um, mm. I mean, I'd hang out with my friends um, in that program, but I don't think I truly had a hobby at the time. Okay. Did you have any hobbies before that or after that? Um, I think I've done a better job at developing my hobby since I've gone out of school, frankly. Hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, let's see here. Ooh, what kind of music were you into? Oh, I did go back and look at this. Um, I think I was really into Lord at the time. Like Royals came out around really? there. Okay. Yeah. And Lana Del Rey. Yeah. And I think I was, I was going through kind of an angsty period too, because it was just like a really busy, stressful time at school and like circle back to say anything. Oh, really? Yeah. Like the movie or? No, like the band. Oh, gotcha. Okay. I was going to say, yeah, that's very interesting. (laughs) Well, yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with saying anything, the band, but it's kind of, kind of angsty. All right. All right. I'll, I'll, I will have to look it up because I don't think. Yeah, I'm sure if I hear one of their songs, I'm like, oh, OK, I know this. But I, I couldn't tell I'm you. One. I couldn't tell you one straight off the bat. OK, so Lord <laughs> Lana Del Rey. So y- you were into um, like female led music. Um, that was I mean, Lord's a little bit angsty. Like her, her oh, music yeah. is, you know, pretty. Uh, yeah, I was all all about that album when it came out yeah so lana del rey do do you like like lana del rey's cuts or the remixed versions of her stuff that's a little bit more upbeat oh i like the like original one so like a little bit more sleepy where yeah okay okay i can dig that i can do like the first time i heard her like what was the, the name of her song that was summertime sadness yeah that's the one 
I feel that, that's like her biggest one. Um, yeah. But that's when, when I heard that, like as the original cut, I was like, what is happening? Who did this to this song? And I'm like, no, no, that's the actual song. That's it. That's mm-hmm. the real song. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like I personally like it when people remix it to make it a little bit more upbeat. Um, yeah, the remixes are fun. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like more upbeat music now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What's what's something that so you're into right it. now then? Um, I really like um the Sergio Simpson Cut and Grass Bluegrass album. That's amazing. Okay. <laughs> it's good. Um he's from our neck of the woods. Yeah. Um That's and so of funny. course the uh, Tyler Tiller's long violent history. I think oh. those two kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. I really like it. And then um I do too. Um, and then, you know, around the same time, the K-pop band Luna had a song come out and there's been some like kind of funny beef with Sturgill over the charts uh, because he beat them out for the really? number one spot. No kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah. Luna's new single is pretty good too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Digging it, digging it. Cool beans. All righty. Yeah. So... I like rap too. So Yeah. Sorry. No, no, you like rap yeah. too? Like who? I listen to um I'm trying to think. I mean, mostly just kind of like popular stuff currently. Okay. Um yeah, I'm trying I can't I'm drawing a blank. Okay. <laughs> well, okay, speaking of uh, rap. Oh no, oh, I really I was gonna say Megan the Stallion, I really love that album. Yeah, she's pretty fire. I like yeah, I really like her and her SNL appearance. Yeah, she's good stuff. Um, did yeah. you did have you seen Hamilton? No. No. It's there's a lot of rap in that if you like rap. Mm-hmm. I have heard the soundtrack with Artie and Amy, but okay. I have not actually watched it. Gotcha. It was you know what? I was I was pretty reticent to watch it for a long time. I was I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. Like I hate I, this is so stupid. People like it for no reason. This is dumb. And then I, I saw it, I don't know, like last week, I want to say. And it's all I can think about. And I'm very upset with myself for waiting so long. I would have loved to go to see it live. It was hard to get tickets even in more local shows. But yeah, I'll probably watch on Disney Plus at some point. Yeah, it's pretty good on Disney Plus. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I think like the, the only thing that I did not enjoy as much as the other stuff was when Lin-Manuel was singing. Mm-hmm. Um, his singing voice is not my favorite, but interesting. Yeah. When he's rapping, it's fine. But when he's singing, mm-hmm. it's just not my favorite. Um, mm-hmm. But otherwise it's, it's pretty good. They have a lot of really phenomenal performers um, and a bunch of them like were either nominated or won Tony's for it and super deserved. So yeah, I dig it. I dig it. Uh, tell me about your typical routine. Um, like a day to, yeah your day-to-day routine during that master's program um well it's been a while now but i think i got up went to school like i rode to school with one of my friends so like we get to chat on the way to school and like walk over from the parking lot to the building mm-hmm. go through a day of classes i'd probably go home and do homework and I think Brett lived in Lexington at that point um, and was a servant at a restaurant. So like we'd hang out when we could. 
Um, so were, were you dating at that point? Yeah, he had moved here, like, I think a year before. Okay. So you guys, <laughs> did you, were you guys pen pal dating before that? Or when did you get, when did you start dating, Brett? Um, we started dating, I think I was, I was 19. Um, oh, and wow. he, yeah, I was a baby. Um, and he was a senior in college. Um, and then he went to the University of Malta for a year after that. So we were long distance for, um, I think like two years before he moved here. Mm. Yeah. He moved here my senior year of college. Wow. Okay. After, okay. after he finished his master's program. Gotcha. All righty. Yeah. And then, so you guys, when, how long after that did you guys get married? Um, after I finished that master's program. So it was July to July. Like the big, I finished like the beginning of July, 2014. And then we got married like at the end of that July. And then I started law school a month later. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's yeah. How did you even have time to plan a wedding while you were in that program? Um, frankly, my mom helped a whole lot. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. incredible. I okay. don't, yeah, I couldn't have done it without her. Wow. Alrighty. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And like so, my grandpa died in the middle of that wedding planning too. So geez. like, I don't know. It, it was, it was an interesting time. Yeah. And then, so you get married, you have a month to enjoy your marriage and exist mm-hmm. and then bam, right back to school. Yep. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. All right. So <laughs> did you have like early morning classes or, uh, yeah, I think so. I think we pretty much have like a full day of classes. Mm-hmm. I like I've kind of bought some of it out because no, that's fair. It wasn't super fun. <laughs> yeah, that, that's fair. That's fair. Let's just pretend. Like I'm just gonna decide. You had uh, eight to nine hour days. Yeah, call like a, a regular like nine to five work day of class, yeah. and then homework after that. Yeah. Okay. And then um, you got to see Brett some. Hmm. And then you got to hang out a, a little bit with your friends in the same program, right? That's what you said. Yeah. And I was um, at UK for my undergrad too, because I just couldn't get away. Um, mm-hmm. So my friends from undergrad, they were all like seniors at the time at UK too. So I saw them like a fair amount as well. Okay. okay. I can take that. Alrighty. Um, cool beans. Uh, what was, what was the projection you had for yourself? while you were in that program? Um, I just assumed I would work for some branch, probably of state government, because at that point, like Brett went to school at George Mason. So like previously I'd thought that we would move back to DC and like work, you know, do something for the federal government, like in around DC. Um, But then he moved here and Mm. he really liked it here. So we decided that we would stay in Kentucky. So I thought I would work, um, doing like legislate research for legislature leg, sorry i can't talk legislators um yeah. after my program or so, you know something like that gotcha uh and then it was when you were in law school that your focus changed um yeah so um i had a job like the summer before law school started and then like into my first semester which probably didn't help my grades but I was doing um it was called 
basically I was evaluating degree programs in the business school at UK mm-hmm. um, for accreditation to make sure that the learning outcomes for the, for like all the degree programs and classes in a business school were being met for accreditation purposes. So it's mm. kind of data driven. Gotcha. Okay. So I, I just thought I'd end up doing something like that at that point, but it's not really a job you can grow in. Right. Okay. I gotcha. Alrighty. Um, what would you say, what would you say your hopes and dreams were at that time? So you had your, you know, um, projection for yourself this is what like all right this is what i'm working toward uh but what were some of your like dreams what was what's the loftier type stuff i'm not really sure i think at that point i kind of hope to maybe have a career in politics one day um i you know i was kind of really like coming out of undergrad like not super sure what i wanted to do with my life I always knew I liked like I said like I was interested in the criminology PhD like I knew I liked policy I knew I was interested in criminals and and crime and like what drove people to commit crimes I took um a capstone class in um economics on the economics of crime and mm-hmm. um interestingly time back to lead testing how um elevated lead levels led people later in life who were exposed to lead as children to commit more crimes. So I was kind of interested in further in that kind of study. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I guess, um, in a way I kind of ended up, um, it's not the same trajectory that I thought at that point, but still kind of get to engage with, um, criminal law, like through my current job. Hmm. Okay. I can dig that. So were you, were you hoping to research that to justify a crime spree later on in life? Um, not necessarily just kind of generally like what segments of the population were committing crimes. And then like, were there any socioeconomic or environmental factors that could have contributed to that? Gotcha. So you weren't like hoping that you're, childhood home had lead paint so you could you know knock off 39 banks and say no no it's just because of the paint i promise no absolutely not i never had elevated lead level lead level so that would not have been a a justification (laughs) for me okay okay right right on i can dig that um so what's what is a quirk of yours tell me tell me what your favorite quirk is about you I don't know if this counts, but this came up when um, we met last, uh, yeah, last Friday night. Um, that one of my favorite things is potato chips and ketchup. Yeah, that's super gross. It's <laughs> <laughs> just like lace. It's like really close to French fries. I mean, I guess. I, I guess. <laughs> is it all any potato chip, or is it? Speci- it's just specifically lace. Just lace, and maybe sometimes wavy wavy lays but really just ruffles okay so lays or ruffles and ketchup mm-hmm. yes oh. mostly ruffles okay <laughs> that's so gross i learned it from my dad it yeah sucks. okay oh that's so funny oh man <laughs> do are there any like weird food things i think the only 
weird food thing that I would have learned from my dad is uh, if ever we went to like uh, one of those buffet restaurants, like uh, Old Country Buffet or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Did you ever? Did you? Do you guys have those where you are? No. No. Um, no. We, okay. But you have you heard of we, it? No. Oh. Okay. So imagine um, Golden Corral. I'm sure you've heard of Golden Corral. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, oh, of course. Yeah. So it's Golden Corral, just without like the chocolate fountain. Okay. Yeah. Well, well we had other buffets. Like we had a Shoney's and a, probably a couple of different ones. Oh, Shoney's. Oh man. Shoney's. I liked Shoney's when I, I so man. All right. So a little a quick tidbit about you know, like my family growing up, my, my parents mm-hmm. were in uh, church ministry. Uh, so mm-hmm. we were, we were absolutely not rich. Um, and they had five kids, right? Oh wow. So yeah. yeah. So um, compound the not rich, just being in church ministry with also having to feed five children. Um, mm-hmm. So buffets was the easiest way for them to feed all of us. Right a pizza yeah. on Fridays or you know, like, Hey, we're going to go to this buffet. You're only going to eat from the salad bar. Hopefully they mm-hmm. have cubed ham so you can get some meat, you know, that sort of thing. But, mm-hmm. um, so I, I have, I have taken that with me. Like I, so I'd like to go to buffets, uh, even though like intrinsically, I know they're gross. The idea of all these people mm-hmm. like breathing over all this food and especially now, like understanding the ramifications of water droplets from your mouth, because of COVID, oh, yeah. I'm just like, oh, yeah. what did I expose myself to? But that doesn't mean I won't still go to a buffet once <laughs> things open back up again. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, so my dad, when his thing was, uh, when we would go to the buffet, he would, um, for dessert, take one of those, uh, like the, the, instead of soup bowls, they were like really big soup cups. So it was mm-hmm. kind of like the size of a bowl, but it had a little finger hook so you can like sip in hot coffee or whatever. So he would put jello mm-hmm. on the bottom and then top it with ice mm-hmm. cream. I mean, that's not too weird. It's yeah. too sweet. Yeah. So that's 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 the the one like quirky thing that I could think of that I, I could have gotten mm-hmm. from my dad. Is that is yeah. That. So it's an interesting texture combination. Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of people that don't like jello. My wife hates jello. She hates the idea of it. Like, she's like, I don't <laughs> like the texture. I don't like that it jiggles. I, I hate it. So, um, but I, I, I love Jello. I love it. I like Jello. Yeah. I'm into, I'm into it. So like, so as kids, we would all like, oh, let's do that thing that dad does, you know? So we would go get Jello and ice cream. And <laughs> good times. Good times. Mm-hmm. Cool beans. Um, I think, I think that's good. I think that's I've been thinking of like while we're talking, trying to imagine what storylines I could give to, you know, youngers um, Mm -hmm. where you decide not to or like something else. And like the idea of you going into politics, I might like turn you into a politician that is against needles. And so you're like (laughs) trying to draft legislation that forces people to come up with alternatives to using needles because they're barbaric. And, you know, you might Mm -hmm. be one of those crusaders against the barbarism of needles and stuff like (laughs) that. (laughs) So that would be funny. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. So I can't promise what the tone is going to be, whether it'll be funny or not. Um, Mm -hmm. But I will do my best to use what I have gleaned from here um, and like what I have gleaned about you and, you know, things that I've heard you laugh at just in life on Friday calls and stuff like that. So I can 
get an idea of what you're into. Um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, it's my goal to like really put you into the story, even though it's technically mm-hmm. not you, it's like other Amanda. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I like, I want to, I want to do you solid and try and make sure I put you in the story. Um, Thanks. I'm excited to hear how it comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Cool beans. So we're going to take a quick break. Um, and when we come back, I will read the story I will have written for Amanda. It'll be called Other Amanda. And then we'll talk about it. Stick around. Welcome back. This is the part of the show where I'm going to read the story and then we're going to chat about it. I'd like to reiterate my guest for today is Amanda Connors. If you'd like to follow her on Instagram, it is at Durs.c. Durs.c. Are you ready for your story? Yes, I'm excited. Awesome. Awesome. Cool beans. All right. So here we go. Isn't there some other way you can give me a flu shot? Other Amanda pleads. The timid 21-year-old woman sits alert on her, the padded bench. She watches the hands of her, her doctor intently, shying away from any movement in her direction with the sterile needle. Please, is there? I don't, I don't really have time to get sick, so I know I have to get this flu shot, but maybe there's like a flu pill or cream or aerosol spray or anything? The campus doctor pauses for a moment before leaning back on her stool away from the frightened student. Her experience as a campus doctor rests comfortably on her face and shoulders as she patiently waits for other Amanda to work out her discomfort. 
She calmly reiterates, you don't have to be afraid. I am not going to hurt you. We can wait as long as you need to, to get this shot, but I'm sorry, there's no other way to administer a flu shot. If you were daring and the chances of this benefiting you in any real way are slim to none, you could go visit a friend of yours who is sick and just get the flu from them and you should be fine for the rest of the season. With a smirk, the doctor flashes a sarcastic eyebrow at other Amanda and smugly awaits a response. Well, that's just ridiculous. I don't have time to be sick. That's why I'm here. Why wouldn't you, why would you even suggest that? Frustrated other Amanda demands. You know, you know what? You're supposed to help me get through this, right? You're supposed to do no harm. Does that not include emotional harm? Why would you be such a jerk about all this? I don't like needles. Okay, I don't like bees or hornets or narwhals or swordfish or unicorns for that matter. I've been pricked, pruck, poke, whatever is the right word enough times and I don't like it. Exasperated, the doctor causes the needle to retract, removes her gloves and pushes away from other Amanda. There, there is actually a nasal spray. Let me see if we have any. <laughs> I've asked so many people for alternatives and you're telling me there is one? Incredulous, other Amanda soft taps her foot against the floor. She slides her hands under her thighs and begins tearing away at the roll of paper separating her from the leather cushion beneath. The doctor heads out of the room, leaving other Amanda to stew in her frustration. Brett, can we just leave? Oh, I don't know, other Amanda. You set out to do this, so you should see it through. It's probably not even that bad. You've seen those commercials where they spray liquid vapor rub up their nose, right? I'm sure it's just like that. Probably smells worse, like stale paper and room dust. Maybe it's like crushed up mothballs dipped in spoiled milk. I don't know what viruses smell like, but I doubt it's going to be bad. Besides, we're here. Why leave? Because I don't like this doctor. She's kind of mean. Don't you think so? The two sit in silence for an hour before a nurse comes in with another patient. Oh, I'm sorry. I need this room for a patient. Why are you two here? Other Amanda stands and looks the nurse directly in the eyes. We are waiting for the doctor to come back with a flu nasal spray. Surprised, the nurse responds... You're the, you're the flu shot? That was an hour ago. You're still here? I didn't get a shot. I don't want a shot. I want the nose vaccine. The doctor went off on an adventure, it seems, to find one. Is she coming back anytime soon? As the words fall from Mother Amanda's lips, the doctor walks in with a chart labeled with the name that is not hers. The tension begins to rise in the room and its energy begins to swirl from person to person. The sickly patient, hoping to discover what ails him, passes it to the frustrated nurse, desperate to take care of the young man and assuage other Amanda's concerns, who deflects it to Brett, whose patience is wearing thin, watching his wife stew in a deteriorating state of seething frustration, who in turn passes it back to other Amanda with a comforting grip on her thigh that reads as a restraint emboldening her. From the pits of her gut rises a weighted breath that boils within her and is exhaled through her nostrils, almost as warm as steam. Her typically pale skin suffused with the anger inside her. She stands and peers through the doctor and matter-of-factly states, I am ready for my spray. Her words are eerily calm and unsettled the doctor and the sick patient who sneezes at the height of his discomfort. The doctor swallows her sass and complies, Nurse, will you please take this patient to my office? I'll be with him in just a moment. She's waited long enough. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to have made you wait like this. I, I will be right back with your spray. Dissatisfied, other Amanda offers, should I go with you? No, I will be right back. The doctor assures her before stealing out of the room. Within a minute, the doctor returns with her nasal spray, sprays the aerosol, and sends other Amanda on her way. Several flu-less days pass. Today begins as any other. The alarm on other Amanda's bedside table rings out, filling the room with uncomfortable wails. Other Amanda is already awake. She laid in bed throughout the night. 
Her shallow mouth breathing kept her from drifting off to sleep as she struggled to fill her lungs with air. Her muscles ache, her head pounds in rhythm with the siren blaring next to her. Unmotivated, she lays motionless exploring the ceiling. Her mind fills with a nebulous amalgamation of curiosity, her schedule for the day, her pending exams, holiday plans, and where she is now. Brett, frustrated, leans over other Amanda and smacks the alarm clock after being unable to locate the button in the dark. Before being able to enjoy the silence, the heat radiating off of other Amanda's balmy skin gives him pause, ceasing his return to his side of the bed. Um, are you okay? Other Amanda willfully ignores Brett as she settles into her suffering for a moment longer. Without saying a word, she shakily stands and begins preparing for her day. She takes a sweater from Brett's side of the closet and a pair of his jeans. She pulls her hair into a bun and covers it with a beanie, slips on her favorite pair of Sperry sneakers, and heads to class. The hustling of students rumbles the desk where other Amanda is currently resting her head. Sleeplessness bedims her sight, making the people moving into the classroom and filling the seats indistinguishable from walking tree trunks, or otherwise amoebic masses flitting about the room. The sun outside the window beats down harshly on the windows and meanders from the wall to the floor and across it as the minutes pass and the hours fill the day. Her teacher patiently watches other Amanda as she idly occupies the same desk for hours and hours across several classes. Curiosity compels a question. Other uh, Amanda? Well-versed on the topics we're discussing, I'm sure. What are your thoughts on ensuring value for money and service delivery? Other Amanda sits at attention and hazily looks ahead. She smacks her gums, tasting the sleeplessness, resting firmly on her lips. I'm so glad you asked. Thank you. Standing, she continues, firstly, I would like to say that there's no measurable ROI when it comes to people. The diversity <laughs> of people makes it exceedingly difficult to discern whether the services for government uh, the government provides has value, especially if we dis disagree on who has value. For example, services that positively impact the homeless and those living in abject poverty will have little to no return on investment in the short term, but with steady investment will have an ROI. Does that mean, as all gubernatorial terms are limited, that we ignore those services because the impact of the investment will only be felt after the terms expire? No. Well, that's a decent answer, isn't it? The actual answer is far more complicated, as we historically do not value the lowest of us, quote unquote. We tend to value those we consider to be immediately impactful on our investment, whether good or bad, so we can instantly assess their fluctuating value. The Constitution asserts that all persons are created equal, even though it clearly misrepresents the myriad of people that exist and only says all men, which means that we all hold value. Other Amanda continues air quoting the cleverness of counting black people. There was no America yet, uh, so they weren't African-American yet of counting black people as three fifths of a person to increase the population of southern states without increasing the voting public doesn't coincide with the concept of all men yet provides a value to the people whose investment, three-fourths of a person, had a return of delegates without votes. The amendment to the Constitution that gave five-fifths personhood to all people of African descent changed things, didn't it? Here we are today. The value of money and service delivery will always vary because the value of people that government services will vary. There are no services for the super wealthy or really even upper middle class because we value them and their contributions while ignoring any measure of hardship that they may encounter. As such, we can prop up the lowest of us, even though there's no lowest of us. There is no quote-unquote us without encompassing the whole of humanity. Anyway, thanks for coming to my TED Talk. Other Amanda's <laughs> teachers stand silent, stunned, blinking through the mental recap of Other Amanda's treatise. Thank you? Other Amanda waves an acknowledgement before settling back into her uh, infirmed rest on the desk of a class that isn't hers. Several months pass. Other Amanda stands at the front door to her school for the final time. 
moments away from being acknowledged for completing her master's program. The door handle in her right hand, Brett's hand in her left. She enters confident in her efforts and contended to be headed to a wide world of possibilities. Before heading to the graduation ceremony, her PFM teacher pulls her aside. Have you decided what you will do next? I think I'm going to go into the public sector. Well, I'm going to rest, first of all. <laughs> you know, I still think about that day you attended my class four times and woke up and gave me that answer I wasn't expecting. I have connections with the Secretary of the Treasury. <laughs> I put in a good word and a portion of what you said. He's here, Jacob Lou. I would love to introduce you. Oh, wow. Yes, that sounds great. I want to finish what I started, though, so I will find you when we're done with the ceremony, okay? Great, Mother Amanda. I will meet you at the front of the stage when the ceremony has concluded. Mother Amanda squeezes Brett's hand as hard as her mitts allow. She flashes him an excited face, and the two traverse the hallways to the auditorium, giggling gleefully. The end. Nice. <laughs> it sounds like me being afraid of needles probably worked out better for me than it could have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was so part of me was thinking like that you were gonna switch majors and invent a nasal spray until I found out that there's been a nasal spray for like 20 years. Yeah, I guess it's for like pregnant people and people allergic to eggs or something. I don't know. Yeah. So I was like, oh man, I had like, I, yeah. I had so much written about that too. <laughs> and then I was like, I can't use any of this. Doc on it, man. <laughs> so, but yeah. Oh man. And that, that, the, the speech, I, I, I probably spent way more time researching like little bits so it could be like quasi relevant to the, the, what you were studying in school. Yeah. I mean, for like a fever speech, that was probably way better than I could have said in like a normal day at that point. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, man. The, the amount of videos that I watched people explaining that, that, the, the, the concept of that, I was like, oh, she went to school for this for a whole year? How many years were you? Two years in that program? It was a one-year program. and then One year, that's right. Like it was one year and then law school, you know, it's kind of an extension of, of that yeah. in a way. Oh my goodness. I was, I was very impressed with your uh, fortitude <laughs> after <laughs> like an hour of watching those videos. I was like, I can't, how did she do this? How? Yeah, it was a lot. I honestly, like, I think I gained a lot from that program, but it wasn't very fun. Yeah. <laughs> right on. <laughs> so, uh, were you able to see any of yourself in this story? Yes. Um, you know, like even in, like I would have never gotten up in class and talked that much because I'm like terrified of public speaking. Hence mm. my current job. <laughs> but like that would have been exactly what I thought at the time. And um, making Brett go with me to the doctor's office with needles involved, 10 out of 10. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Yes. Nice. Um, yeah. I can definitely, and yeah, I would have made him hold my hand probably. I, he's pretty patient with me when there's needles involved, mm -hmm. but yeah, I, th I think like, I love that part. I thought that was, that was really accurate. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> good, 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 good. All right. On. So, um, I tried to imagine, I don't think I've like, 
I have I have not experienced you upset yet. So I tried yeah. to imagine a couple different ways that you might like get upset and kind of walk that out. What what does it look like when you get upset? Um, it probably depends on who it is, but if it's someone that I like don't know very well, I would probably just get really quiet and like not say anything at all and then okay. complain about it later. Right. Okay. Is my reaction. Okay. But if it's, if it's somebody, you know, like, you know, super well, and they like yeah. made you really upset, what's your reaction like then? Um, I probably, you know, I probably like say why I'm mad and then say something stupid. And then I try to walk away for a little while and then come back and just like talk about it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but for sure you get your jabs in before you dip, right? Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. I'm human after all. Uh, right. <laughs> I'm just not always like eloquent with my words. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like, uh, for, for a long time, I was always like, I'm so mad. Say something that I can respond to. Right. And then I, I would let people like say something and then I would just like go after them, like, mm-hmm. and, and just try and be as vicious as possible. And then like later on in life, I realized that's not super helpful to like discussion and stuff. So I'm like, no. okay, let's try and be calm. Let's hear them yeah. out. If they're saying stupid things and we'll say, Hey, I feel like what you're saying is real dumb. And then just leave yep. it there. Yeah, that's much better. And then you can, you can just walk away and, and move about your day. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do find myself though. Um, and I did like early in the summer, especially this past, like summer, uh, last summer, mm-hmm. cause this episode comes out in February, February 10. You're the, you're the Valentine's day episode. Happy Valentine's yeah. day, everybody. Aww. Um, but so, flu huh? So flu season. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so last summer, um, when a lot of the social unrest kicked off after like the murder of George Floyd, um, mm-hmm. Embryon Taylor in Kentucky. Yeah. Embryon Taylor in Kentucky. Um, I didn't, I did not bite my tongue with like, especially people on that I was connected to on social media. Now yeah. I have a lot of grace for people on Twitter and Instagram. Cause I feel like it, on Twitter, you're literally just like talking to no one. It doesn't really build a community. Uh, you know, yeah. it's just like this space where you go outside and you scream, and then you go back inside. Right. And if people, you know, but on, on Facebook, because there's so much that you like, it it tries so hard to build community that I feel like Mm -hmm. if I'm connected to you and you say something vile, then all right, we're going to have a chat. There's going to be a back and forth and I'm not going to, I'm not going to be real nice, you know? So I want to say like last summer I was, I was heated for like several weeks um, and I think the easiest thing is to just unfriend people, mm-hmm. but I'm like, nope, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be so vicious that you unfriend me. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. I think I have like almost a direct opposite approach. Like being from Eastern Kentucky, like not everybody, but, but a lot of people I grew up with and a lot of people who continue to live in that community are very conservative Okay. And like, it's, it's not an excuse. And, and like, I definitely don't agree with everything, but I kind of get where they're coming from because mm-hmm. like, 
everybody's white. Like people aren't educated on how policies affect people who are different from them. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. In some ways, I like looking back now. I'm like, could I have made a difference in someone's life and maybe persuaded them to change their views if I had just said something? Mm-hmm. But like, what I see is so divisive that like I don't. I still haven't quite figured. I mean, it's, that's probably an excuse, but like. I still haven't quite figured out like how best to approach that and actually get people to maybe start to change their minds Mm -hmm. and be constructive. Okay. Well, what, what have you found works for you to change your mind? Well, I really like reading and research and I know that's, that's very nerdy and most people probably aren't going to do that. Right. But I like have always just like love looking stuff up on the internet and like learning and reading, mm-hmm. but that's a personal preference. And I, I just don't know that that like would translate mm-hmm. to a lot of people. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think, uh, uh, quite a few times I, if, if like I have like a, an immediate emotional reaction to something that I see, right. I want to mm-hmm. like, okay, I want to research this point and see if my, like my reaction is justified. So I will immediately start researching. For example, uh, somebody that I'm, I was connect that I, I think I am, I don't know, uh, connected to posted something about, um, do, do you remember the, there was like, uh, a protest in the street and they blocked off the street and then somebody had like a horse carriage behind them and they like drove through the crowd and there were people like pounding on the side. Right. So they were like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. if you threaten my family, I'll just drive over you too. Right. And so I looked and I was yeah. like, I need to look this up because some people are saying they threw gas cans at the horses. Um, and I was like, OK, well, let's see. So I, I researched it and they were like reporters on the scene, like not connected to what was happening, uh, yeah. but they were on the scene. And so I was like, look, OK, they're going to be they're going to they're already there. They can just say what they saw and then go straight into like interviewing like, Hey, what happened? What happened? What happened? Uh, Mm -hmm. and it turns out like, Oh boy, brandished a firearm. Right. And some women needed to get to the hospital. So they let her through and then went to reblock and he drove into the people. Mm -hmm. Right. And so they were upset and hitting his car. And when they started doing that, that's when he like just drove straight through and knocking people over and such. So I was like, it, it takes 30 seconds to research things like that. Right. Right. So I am a hundred percent with you on, I like, I need to know, mm-hmm. you know, and like, and if it would have been like, no, he was just there and they just started throwing bottles on him. Like, okay, I understand where he's of coming course. from. Let me correct that reaction inside of me. But yeah. it's two seconds. That's all it takes. Yeah. And I think that's why I'm so slow to argue with people because I want to make sure I have like all the background, all like the information before mm-hmm. like I say something. Mm-hmm which i don't know if that's helpful or not no i mean that's smart it's smart i think i think a lot of times people just they argue because they see something that they're like hey this confirms my bias right and that's all i need yeah right yeah and if you, so and like, if you, I do that in some ways too? probably i don't know mm-hmm. yeah it's cool cool into it into it <laughs> into it um, so I tried to get 
like some of the banter between you two? Was I was like close in that between you and Brett? Yeah, like I get, I definitely have a tendency. I think it's more with like restaurants and like doctor's offices where like if I get in a situation that I'm like mad about, like I just want to leave. Um, like one of my favorite restaurants in Lexington for breakfast, they saw breakfast at like 10 o'clock or something like way too early. And I love them, but (laughs) they they stop their breakfast at 10 on the weekends. Well, on Saturdays. What? They stop at 10? Yeah, they have brunch later on Sundays, but they stop breakfast at 10 on Saturdays and like Monday through Friday to Saturday. Like it's, they always stop at 10. And like, you know, there was a period where Brett and I would get up like super late because he was a server or bartender at the time. Mm. And we'd roll in at like 11 and I'd be like, you're not serving breakfast. Okay, we're leaving. <laughs> he was dip. Yeah. Okay. So I could definitely like in that situation, if I had been like that heated about a flu shot versus a nasal spray and they weren't getting to me, I would have wanted to leave. I'd be like, we'll just go to Walgreens later and I'll deal with it another time. Ah, okay. Okay. I can dig that. That's good. That is good to know. (laughs) That's good to know. (laughs) I can dig that. All righty. I don't like your breakfast policy. I'm leaving. Yeah. That's appropriate. That's, I mean, that's always, that's always the best. Uh, so from the perspective of a server, when I was a server, if people like were upset, they're like, you know what? Um, you're, you're close for this. All right. We're just going to go instead of the people that are like, no, you're going to serve us breakfast. You guys have eggs, right? You have eggs. It's not like you went through all of your eggs. You could just make me an omelet, make me an omelet. I would get people like that all the time. No, like like, we're working in restaurants for so long. I at least know that like, I know better than to inconvenience anyone else. Mm Mm-hmm make their day worse um oh i don't know if i told you when we were talking about this um on the first half of the podcast but actually this year brett and i tried to go get covid antibody tests like as far as we know like we haven't been exposed to covid even now but like back in the summer we went to go get antibody tests and just get a test because we have a clinic in town that like does free um nasal swabs and antibody tests oh cool um, so we tried to go and it was like early in the morning. I hadn't had much like water or anything to drink yet. And, um, they stick me with this like God awful needle and I have rolling veins. So like, this is part of, this is part of my issue with mm. needles in the first place. Um, and they were like digging around my arm, trying to get it. I told them like which vein to use and that it rolls around and it's, it's, <laughs> it's how it is. And, um, they like dug around and dug around uh. in my arm and like drew no blood Ouch. And, and it was like somebody who like probably hadn't been doing it very long um and then this other person who like was more experienced came and looked at him she was like uh yeah that that doesn't look great like do you want me to try your other arm and brett was like absolutely not mm. <laughs> <laughs> we're done here. yeah we're done here let's go oh man that sounds awful yeah, it wasn't great and he was like you need to stick up for yourself more and i was mm. like you you're probably correct like <laughs> it's like you need to like when something like that happens you need to tell them you want the the best phlebotomist right serious <laughs> oh man oh yeah. man it's i think um yeah i can't i can't remember the last time i went to have blood drawn and they missed mm-hmm. um so i always like to freak them out by like leaning in and watching very intently as they do it 
Would um, never do that. Yeah, because they're always like, oh, you might want to look away. I was like, no, I want to see it. Show me. Let me see it. <laughs> they're like, oh, I had a coworker what? who was like that for a while. Yeah. And it's not because I want to see it or I just like to. There's a comedian named Drew Michael and his mm-hmm. after at, at, like at the end of his sets, he'll often say things like, um, I know you guys are uncomfortable because like his his brand of comedy is like really it it's uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. Cool. So he'll just say, uh, I just want to give you an idea of what it's like to feel like me all the time in just this little bitty span. Right. So I identify with that. So like completely that like whatever measure of like social anxiety I might be dealing with, I like to just share that with people a little bit mm-hmm. by, you know, doing things that make people uncomfortable. Nice. Yeah. That's- yeah. And it's like, I try not to, it's not like I'm going to invade your personal space and do like weird right. things like pick your nose or whatever. Although when I was in high school and I had really close friends, I would pretend, I would like pretend to. And yeah, this one, your friends. yeah, yeah. So stuff like that, but mm-hmm. so yeah. So that's what I do when I when I give blood or whatever. Yeah, I'm obviously the opposite. Yeah, <laughs> put on blinders, pull your hat yeah, down, I'm, whatever it I'm, takes. Yeah, I'll just like I had a root canal this summer, and I was like, Ooh. I'm scared. Hello, <laughs> I'm scared, and they're like, Why are you scared? And I'm like, Well, I have never had a root canal, and I'm terrified of needles. I know you're gonna stick me. Uh huh. <laughs> and what they say? I'm like, okay, cool. And I was like, Yeah, it, it just it kind of helps me uh to feel less scared if I tell you I'm scared. Okay, <laughs> get it out there. All right, all right. Can you use like um, what do you call it? The um, like n- numbing. And that's not anesthesia. Novocaine. No. Is it Novocaine? Novocaine numbs you, right? Yeah, I think that's the injection. Though. I'm not, I am not sure. Okay. But is there, there is one that they, they can put on the outside too, right? That, that yeah, numbs? So, yeah. When I had the root canal, they did that first. And then they stick you like, you can still, like, I could still kind of feel the needle. And it was definitely uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. like, just the thought of it. Like definitely makes me uncomfortable, but it was, it was okay. I mean, I had to get it done. Right. Okay. Cause I'm just thinking like if, if, if you go and you put your head, like pull your hat down and they just like numb you up for a moment and then like draw blood while it's numb or like give you your flu shot while it's numb. Oh, I don't know if they do that. Well, I don't know if they help. do that other than like a dental context. Gotcha. Okay. I have no idea. Yeah. I, they've never offered it to me. Dang. Drawing blood, they can use the children's butter, butterfly needle if requested. Really? All right. It just takes it takes longer. Okay. Transitioning from your master's program to law school, um, do you feel like you get to utilize a lot of what you like learned during that time and what you do now, or are you just far enough removed that you don't quite? Um, I think I'm pretty far removed from it at this point because my job is like pretty much like le- like law centric like academic style writing even though it it like has real world real world application because I'm working on real cases okay um it's still pretty much straight legal analysis gotcha now there is a policy aspect on some occasions because sometimes arguments that are presented are policy based like maybe something's not the law, but somebody wants to make a policy argument like this would be a better policy for our Commonwealth. Now the issue is most of the time, those policy issues are either resolved by the Supreme court or by the legislature. Okay. So we don't really 
take up a lot of these policy arguments. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I remember you said you draft opinions, right? Mm -hmm. So do you have, you do your own research and then you like create these like reports or presentations? Um, Are they like on behalf of the person for whom you are clerking? Or is this like, hey, this is, these, these are Amanda's words and her thoughts. Or do you, or, or do you function solely as a proxy? I function solely as a proxy. Okay. So nobody, but nobody here is like, Hey, these are Amanda's words. You will never know. Never. I know. Gotcha. And the judge I work for knows, but pretty much while well, the people who edit them, you know, like before they're rendered, um, mean, they probably don't even know unless they like, look at the author on the word document. Ah, yeah. Okay. So, no, basically like my boss and I know and no one else knows. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but at the end of the day, like I've worked for her for several years. Like I know her writing style. Like mm-hmm. I know what she's looking for. Like we have conversations before I turn my work in mm-hmm. um, to make sure it's what she wants. And she goes back through everything with a fine tooth comb and makes it her own too. Right. So. Right. Okay. So you, do, you present her with like, Hey, the, this is, this is like speech writers, essentially. Here's your speech, yeah. you know, go over it, make it, put your voice in a little bit more than is already. Right. Like I like, I like to say that I'm a ghostwriter. It's mm-hmm. not that cool, but it makes it sound cooler. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. does. Ghostwriters, ghostwriters. So like, um, most famous writers that produce a whole lot of books. Well, not most, mm-hmm. a lot have ghostwriters, right? So you yeah. have a whole bunch of people whose, you know, life's work, you have no idea it's theirs, right? Yeah. So like James Patterson is like the greatest example of that. This dude probably hasn't written a book since the early 90s. I had no idea. I read some of those in like junior high. Yeah. So he um, he comes up with the, the manuscript for it, right? Yeah. And then hires someone to write it. Right. Yeah. And so I remember like in, in the early two thousands, he was catching a lot of flack because the art design on the cover Mm -hmm. uh, would obfuscate the, the person who wrote the book and it would just have Mm. his James Patterson. And then like there was a mountainside and the other author's name was like kind of cleverly stitched into, but with, so you could barely see it. If you were looking for it, then you're like, Oh, that's the name. Right. Otherwise you would immediately miss it. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah. In this instance, I'm not looking to get credit. Like at all, I right? maybe at some point in my career will want to do some sort of work that I put my name on. But mm-hmm. right now, like I'm still learning and like, I really look up to the judge that I work for and like, I'm really happy to like help her further her career. Cool. I can dig that. Yeah. I yeah. can dig that. So, Maybe one day, but like, I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything currently. Okay. Did you think that you would be doing as much writing as you do? Um, so when I started at the, I've worked for her since she was a trial judge. Right. Well, he was a trial judge for like, like 20 years or so, um, until 2018 when she won her election. Mm -hmm. But so I started out, it was her last year as a trial judge and like I, I had intern for her and written like a couple small things. And I always had like several civil opinions, like uh summary judgment in a 
some dispute. I can't think of what something was like. There's everything like nursing home arbitration agreements and like mm-hmm. just just it really could be anything. But I would always have like three to five like legal analysis like orders that I needed to write. Mm-hmm. And like every time I would get one done, I would get like two more. And I didn't think that that job would be as much writing, but okay. I knew that when she went to the court of appeals, um, that that was all writing. Like that's all I do hmm. now. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Just writing, writing. Do you get to do um, research as part of it? Um. So when I write, when I draft the opinions, I do research. Like, so we get arguments from both parties. So they've done their own research and written it up and like created their argument from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll look at the cases that like they've cited and then I'll do my own research too. Gotcha. And then yeah, so does your research... Um, does it have a tendency to overlap or are you going to do research that excludes what they have presented? It overlaps, but because if they're, they're making arguments that best suit their positions, their interpretation Mm. of the same cases might be different from looking at it from, you know, what I hope is more like an objective view. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of how hard is it? To be truly objective. I mean, so do. this is something that, like, I, when I interned for the judge I worked for in law school, the class was taught by a retired federal judge. And we didn't really do much reading for that class, because like, the whole point was for practical experience. But she did have us read a couple of short articles. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we could have a little bit dis- of discussion when we talked about our internships. And one of them was about how judges are basically umpires um, and that they try to just like basically like referee and try to call the best shots. Mm-hmm. But that basically because you're human, like you can never be 100% objective. Like it's just not possible. Right. So you right. have to recognize your biases. Um, and when there's a case that's a subject matter that either like really bothers you or like you know the parties involved, like this hasn't come up for me, but like it could come up that like the, you would need to like, you call it recuse, like basically right. have the like reassigned to someone else because you know that you're too biased to work on it. And that's gotcha. really, I think the best mechanism we have. Right. Do, yeah. do you think that happens as often as it ought? I can't say from experience. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I always wonder <laughs> just because I know, so many humans, right? Mm-hmm. And humans by and large are very, they, they lean toward things that impact them, right? Yeah. So the idea of meeting somebody that's like purely impartial, I feel like you have to be a sociopath mm-hmm. to be purely impartial, right? Because the humanity on one side or another, I feel is generally going to tug you in one way. right? And whether you're able to like, disconnect from the human experience that's in front of you and look solely at like, all right, so this is, this is the law and that is Mm -hmm. it. This is all we can focus on. And even Mm -hmm. though it's going to profoundly negatively impact you for whatever reason, you know, this is the law, you know? Right. And I would say it's not perfect. And that could be an instance where like, if someone is so negatively impacted, like, is that something that we should change the interpretation of the laws? Maybe. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, 
while it's not perfect, I think that there's, you know, there's probably like a sliding scale of tolerance. And if you acknowledge those biases, like I really think that, like, I, I don't know, I have faith in like the Kentucky judicial system that like we're still getting the best outcomes because it does go up mm-hmm. or it can go up to the Supreme court too. Right. And like panel with, um, court of appeals judges, um, there's three judges on a panel. So I think there's good, like Balance. checks and balances within yeah. our system to mm-hmm. come out with the, the best outcome possible. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm asking you that in the wake of the, confirmation of the most recent Supreme court justice. Right. Yeah. Um, and so the, the, the idea that the Supreme court is packed with right or left leaning judges, I feel really undermines the, uh, the, the purpose of that sort of court. Right. So if, if you're willfully putting people who have a propensity for a bias toward a certain, you know, political leaning. I think Mm -hmm. that I'm like, okay, what is a better way for us to, to do this? Because, you know, the, like the fight for like, oh no, we want this or we, you know, we have to have this more of these, you know, leaning judges. Yeah. Then, you know, um, I mean, I think, uh, a lot of, it seems like a lot of like more controversial cases do come down on those like ideological lines at the, um, national level in Kentucky judges run for our office, but it's a nonpartisan election. Mm. So in theory, our judges like are ideally not running like a partisan race. And I think most of the time it's, it's really not, I, it's not perfect, but I, mm-hmm. but at least like, you know, we have the will of the people electing our judges, right. which I know that there are people who disagree with that method too. I don't yeah. know what the best answer is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's tough. It's, these are the, so these are the political conversations I like to have. Like, yeah. okay, so this is the system. How does it, does it benefit everybody equally? And if not, what are some potential solutions instead of saying, Oh, this is stupid. I hate it. And you're dumb. Cause you don't think the way that I do, you know? So. Yeah. I'm not very outspoken politically, but mm-hmm. I do think like, no matter like what you believe, there's always something that could be done better. hundred percent. It's all great. by humans. We're figuring yeah. it out as we go. Yep. Yep. So like one of the things that I have to remind myself all the time is no matter how passionate I am about something, I have to remember mm-hmm. that um, I am also like the, my tendency to be right, quote unquote, uh, is the same as my tendency to be wrong. Yeah, of course. Right? So I have to go into like conversations and things like that with that in mind. Hey. Right. And, some, and sometimes it might not even be that you're wrong, but that the person you're talking to has an equal and opposite passion for the opposite thing. Right. You never know. Yep. Yep. But right on. Right on. Cool beans. So uh, anything else about the story that jumped out at you that you either connected with or thought was funny? A real sweet job at the treasury. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. I thought, I thought it would be funny because like, of the 
the way that you were um, like some like how you got sold on econ mm-hmm. <clears throat> straight away. I was like, oh, uh, what if what if other Amanda ended up at, you know, the Treasury and was working there? That would be fun. And also, I feel like that might have been motivated because I, I saw Hamilton recently and I've just been singing mm-hmm. all its songs and it's all about the first secretary of the Treasury. So nice. Yeah. I was like, oh, let's throw her right in there. Yeah, like that. I would have loved that at the time. Although now I think I get to in some ways, like it's not like straight economic theory, mm-hmm. but it's kind of, you know, balancing perspectives and mm-hmm. trying to find an equilibrium of sorts. Yeah. Did you recognize when I said Jake Blue? No. Oh, uh, okay. He was the he was the secretary of the treasury when you finished school. Oh, no. I mean, I... I don't know a ton, a ton about those types of positions in our federal government. Oh, that's fair. That's, (laughs) that's, that's fair. I have to, anytime I like have a question about something like uh, how much research am I going to have to do? Because I just don't know any of this, you know, this cabinet position at all. So, yeah. Like I think I'm way more aware of what goes on in Kentucky. I mean, we live in the capital city so like i'm more familiar with kentucky than i am anything else that's fair that's fair. agency yeah that's fair being well versed in the local issues is it's super important i would i would say i try Ooh, okay so since it's election week this is a local race that's going on in frankfurt okay and it's not controversial at all but um there are four city commissioner seats and right now, the person there are two people tied with like four thousand two hundred and thirty-one votes apiece. And there's like a hundred, no, three hundred thirty-one mail-in ballots still outstanding. Oh my gosh! They're to, yeah, they're expecting to get ten percent back. And so I'm super intrigued to see like which one of the you know the fourth and fifth place candidates gets that seat because they're both great. Mm-hmm. And they're, yeah, so oh. I don't know. Yeah. I, like, when have you ever seen a race that was like literally tied? Right. That like that tied. Yeah. I feel like I, I might have like something in my head remembering something else that was like that close, super tied. And then some yeah. like really small number of things at the very end. Mm-hmm. holy smokes that would be like yeah. nerve-wracking that like my heart would just be pounding out of my chest if i was in that race absolutely 300 votes that's it they're no they're tied like the same number no but you're saying but there's like 300 votes yet to count right correct yeah you're right and they're expecting oh. to only get back 10 percent of those oh my god so 30 votes basically holy crap <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and they would both be like absolutely wonderful city council persons so wow we'll see what happens with that okay well the people that are listening you guys might know who is it (laughs) um she um facilitates the run club in frankfurt that meets at siglesha brewery and i like i actually know her um because i'm in that say, say her name again lisa unger lisa unger okay lisa l e e s a Lisa. Okay. Interesting. Cool. I dig it. Um, Anna Marie Rosen. I like, don't quote me on it, but I think she's an architect and I don't know her personally, but like during the campaigning, like what they did of it, like basically virtually, mm-hmm. like they were two candidates who like 
I really hope to be able to serve with each other. Like they have a lot of respect for each other. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Oh man. Civility goes a long way, doesn't it? I know. It so does. I like, I'm, I'm so ready for this cycle to be over and for people to stop being so nasty to each other all the time. That would be great. I really hope we can work toward that in, you know, yeah. Well, I don't know what the solution is for that. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Oh man. Oh man. Right on. Well, I think, I think we're at a good place. Yeah, I think so. Right on. We had a good chat. I got to hear a fun story. Got to learn some things about politics, poly, <laughs> poly, poly, science, poly science. Yeah, lo- local politics in Kentucky that you know absolutely nothing about. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, so for those of you listening, I think it's really important to at least be well versed in your local uh, politics, understand what is happening around you so you can make informed decisions when you vote. Because I think voting is, that's, one of the most important things that we can do as citizens, right? To yeah. enact change, you vote, but that's not where it ends. That's where that is one facet of it. Uh, community organizing is another part. So um, I'm so glad that we got to man. And how apropos that, like day after election day, we are recording the second half of your, you know, your appearance, you know? Yeah. This is cool. It's a wild time. It sure is. Yeah. It sure is. Well, I think- I think in February, when people are listening to this, it's a good reminder that there's always more work to be done. And I definitely fall into the trap of after an election cycle, you know, not really thinking about it much as much. So like mm-hmm. how now I'm like, well, what can I do in the future? And I'm sure I'll forget about it. Right. So I need to, to listen to my future self. There you go. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Cool beans. So with that, we will bring other durs to a close. <laughs> uh, it has been lovely having you on the show. Amanda, I really appreciate you participating. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, this is fun. Awesome. So I am D. That was Durs. Come back next week for another episode of Whether You. But for now, I'm out. Bye. Bye.